We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. This episode is intended to be a season preview pod, but we reserve the right to go on our general tangents, and we've got kind of an interesting starting point to do that. Uh, Recently in my Patreon comments, a gentleman named Jason said something that I've been thinking, but he said it in a very crystal clear way that made me think, yes, this is exactly what I want to talk about on the last pod before the real games start. Jason said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, there's a great team in here somewhere. It's up to the coaches to find out where that is. I love that. I love that so much because that's exactly how I'm feeling about this team in this Lakers season coming up. There are a few different versions of the way that this can go. I, I'm not I don't love making predictions because there are, you know, because I generally believe that, right? That, that idea that like the same group of people, can, there's a good version of it, there's a bad version of it, and there's a version somewhere in between. And honestly, probably 10,000 versions somewhere in between. Um, so, so we're going to talk about kind of finding that great team under the guise of a season preview. The starting point for that is the, for me, the LeBron James Anthony Davis pick and roll or two man game, however you want to characterize that. Uh, it's something that we got a little taste of in the preseason. Their net rating together was like plus 31.5 or just something just gaudy, right? Just these incredible numbers of them together. Lakers played two teams, one of whom was really undersized in Golden State. You know, you can only take so much from that. But 
we'd been talking all summer, this two-man game, this LeBron, Anthony Davis, they complement each other, you know, perfectly. Then we watch it in action. And there's probably even more reason to be optimistic now that we've actually seen them play versus what we thought theoretically. Now, the regular season is a beast all of its own. But when previewing this season, we are looking to win a title, right? We want the Lakers to win a title, and we think that the Lakers are capable of that. There is a great team in there somewhere, as Jason said. So how do we find it? And I think that that starting point is that LeBron AD two-man game in that by playoff time, it becomes a matter of can the thing that you do that the other team knows that you're going to do, can they stop it? How how good can it be knowing that you're going to do that, that they're going to play you at least four times, as many as seven, and how well can you leverage that? So my you know whole preamble, uh, you know, taken into context, Darius, what are your thoughts having seen the LeBron Anthony Davis two man game? actually live in action, that is going to be, if we win a title, it's going to be mainly on the backs of those two guys. What have you seen from them? I mean, to a certain extent, we've seen exactly what we were hoping to see. They're just both incredibly skilled within the context of the roles that they're supposed to perform within their two-man game action. And so I thought the the last meaningful preseason game that the team played on Wednesday against the Warriors gave us a nice indication of what both players are capable of within that action. LeBron had a couple of just really good passes out of the pick and roll. Um, That one that was sort of that 2009 Lakers sequence, right? Where LeBron did Mm -hmm. that wraparound pocket bounce pass to AD. AD then took the ball, couple dribbles, um, drew defensive attention, and then dropped off that lob to, I think it was Dwight? Uh, it was to JaVale. Ooh, it was JaVale. It was, they, so they, they blitzed LeBron uh, at the top of the key, uh, AD, or in the slot, right? So a couple steps left. They blitzed him, which means they trapped him, sent two guys to him. He had that little pocket pass right in that little window between them, got the ball to AD. You got your four on three, AD with the lob to JaVale. Easy money, just like that. Kobe to Pau to Lamar, or vice versa, Lamar and, and Pau, we used to do, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, or Pau and then Bynum, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Same deal. So I thought that that was a very good indicator of sort of the actions that the Lakers are able to run out of that high screen and roll between both both of those players. So and I think that this is an interesting way to pivot back to you because you because as you know, like a two man game isn't just to get one of those two players a shot. And a lot of times, the reason why you run that action is obviously to try to get a shot like right at the front of the rim. Like let's say that it's a drop coverage and and LeBron then comes off the corner and he sees an angle to to the rim. He's hoping to get all of the way to to the basket for for a layup. If he sees that same sore sort of crease, but the help comes late and a and AD is diving with him. He can maybe throw that lob to AD or drop off a shovel pass or or find an angle for a way to get AD an easy layup, but or a finish at the basket. But so much of that action is then going to 
What I think the Lakers are hoping to do is is dictate specific types of defensive cov coverages in order to then open up the rest of the floor for guys to get easy shots themselves, whether that's the type of finish that you saw with um, AD throw, throwing that lob to, to JaVale or kick out and swing passes for open shooters to get shots. And that was another thing the Lakers capitalized on against the Warriors in that Wednesday game is they got a bunch of open three, well, three pointers, not all of them off, off of the pick, pick and roll, but, but that was a way that they were using to sort of collapse the, the defense. So what I'm sort of interested in asking you is let's say that is the Lakers pet action this season. Do you think that that's going to lead to the types of shots that they want them to all over the rest of the floor? And if so, do the Lakers have the personnel to make defenses pay with that? So the second question remains to be seen. The first one, I think, yes, they very much have the ability because we've spoken a lot about their ability to complement each other, but they're like, the, the whole thing together is this force multiplier that is going to be really difficult to stop. So just put this in simple English. You can't blitz LeBron anymore. You can't trap him on the ball screens. This is one of the most preferred actions on how to defend LeBron James on the pick and roll for his entire career. I I, I don't know. Did you catch the Bill Simmons snippet of like him coming to the realization that the Lakers might be really good? Did you hear that, Darius? Yes. I listened to the Simmons pod. So he was talking to, what's his buddy, House or something like that? Yeah. So he was walking, watching the Lakers the other day, and, and he was like, oh, crap, like <laughs> watching Anthony Davis and LeBron on the high ball screens because he was like, you know, we, we can say, oh, he had Bosch. He was similar to AD. And he was like, no, not really. Love, Kevin Love, both really good players, right? Bosch and Love, they're not Anthony Davis. And so the the reason you could blitz LeBron before is that, the guy he was passing to. So when you blitz somebody and, and trap them on a pick and roll, the guy you pass to the vast majority of the time is the guy who's setting the screen in the first place. And when you pass the ball to that guy, normally that's somebody, if you think of, say, somebody like Chris Bosch, Bosch could get himself to the rim. He could dribble to the basket, but was not the athletic freak that Anthony Davis is, right? Um, and was not, you know, just did not have the force going to, rolling to the rim. He could pop and hit a pick and pop three out of that, and he was effective out of that. But rolling to the rim, he was good, but he was not great. Uh, Kevin Love was a very similar type of player, right? That ability to pick and pop could roll to the rim, but was not a, a an absolute force in doing that. So if you blitz LeBron, he's going to pass the ball in what's called the short roll to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has the ball, and now it's a four on three. If you do not step up on Anthony Davis, this was Lonzo Ball setting this screen a lot of times last year, right? And they were saying, Lonzo, score out of this in this four on three. We're going to give you some cursory attention. We're going to mainly stay home and see if you can finish around the contest at the rim, right? So now it's Anthony Davis in that position. If you do not completely commit to Anthony Davis, he's going to dunk on you, right? And if... So usually that rotation is going to come from down low and you're asking your wing to drop down to take the big. The Warriors did not do a particularly good job at that. So it was 
you know, short roll pass to Anthony Davis. They pick up AD, lob to JaVale, or lob to somebody else at the rim. Those roles can be reversed, but having Anthony Davis with, I, I've been arguing since the summer that he's got this untapped ability on the perimeter and this passing ability and guard skills that can really come out this year. Uh, this is exactly what I mean, right? Is in on these four on three post short roll type situations. So, if you don't step up to him, he's going to dunk on you. If you step up from your big and your wings don't drop down in time, then JaVale's going to dunk on an easy lob attempt. If you do everything exactly right, you've got a wide open three-point shot. Now, in the regular season, that's going to be easy money for most of it, regardless of, of, of who we're playing and who's on the court. I would argue that in a seven-game series, if you've got Avery Bradley on the court, if you've got Rajon Rondo on the court, you're helping off of them every time. Even if you're making unconventional rotations that you wouldn't make, or you certainly wouldn't make at a high level, because it's only for one game during the regular season, we're helping off of Rondo and Bradley, I think can be the one, like, it, like it'll still be really effective, right? But if we're trying to find the greatness in this team, that ability to surround both LeBron and AD, both of whom are like okay shooters, but not very good. And Anthony Davis has actually really struggled with his jumper this preseason. It's really important that the other three guys can shoot. So that's the place where I could see the Lakers running into that good or very good, but not great type of hurdle. Do you see any other areas where like, like, how do you stop this? How would you defend this Anthony Davis, LeBron James, two man game? I mean, I might start switching a little bit more. Mm hmm. Um, and just to see if that gets you anywhere. What what kind of personnel do you need to be able to switch and not get eaten alive by LeBron and AD? Well, I think you need a mobile power forward who is guarding Anthony Davis so that the switch comes in and then that's that. And then I think you need sort of a physical wing who can hold up in switches so that when he gets locked on to Davis, then you're okay on that front. Like I think an ideal pairing would be say like last year's warriors, right? So Where like, Draymond mm-hmm. and Durant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So like, I think that's the peak level of that, but like another version of that might be, oh man, like can like Her- Montrez Harold and Kawhi do that? No, because I don't think Harold's good enough at the point of attack. I agree. As as a defender. Like this is going to sound super weird because they're not a very good team, but like the Bulls for example. The Bulls just signed Thaddeus Young. Mm. Right? And last year they drafted a kid out of Duke named Wendell Carter. And so, let's say that Carter is on Anthony Davis and Thad Young is on LeBron to start a possession. Mm -hmm. I think that you might switch and put Carter on LeBron and say, okay, second year kid with young legs and some strength and a good defensive player, right? Try to hold up on LeBron in space. And then Thad Young, you're going to guard AD this, this possession. Like, I don't think any one of those players is super out of their element, in that, like, I definitely trust LeBron going up against Wendell Carter, but you're sort of asking me, like, what type of personnel are you looking for? And guys in that who fill that sort of prototype are that type for me, sure. right? Sure. Like, um, you you know, if, like, you're playing small and maybe you're playing, like, Toronto and, and maybe it's, like, Siakam and Anunoby, 
Mm. Right. Um, guys like that. But it's like this is where, though, that it gets super interesting because the counter to some of this stuff is if you switch, the Lakers then can just run another screen and roll with another viable option if LeBron still has the ball. That's where things start to get tricky for defenses. And you can start to invert some of these things where you're not necessarily always using AD as the screener initially, or you then start to vary up or switch up your actions a little bit off of the ball so that after LeBron gets that first screen, if it's off of a switch, then you can then start to use off ball actions in order to create different types of matchups in order for these guys to isolate. Mm -hmm. And this is where, so I've been thinking a fair amount about the roster construct of those Cavs teams, right? When you were talking about the LeBron Kev, Kevin love screen and roll. One of the things that, those Cavs and ended up doing was starting to go to like LeBron Kyrie Irving screen and rolls, mm-hmm. right? Where LeBron would end up setting a screen for Kyrie. And if you're going to switch that, then LeBron then gets isolated against a point guard. And I honestly think that the Lakers have the ability to go mismatch hunting out of pick and roll actions that begin with LeBron and Anthony Davis, because then they can just start to just switch things up. Like you were talking about lineups where Rondo or Avery Bradley will might be on the floor. And if you're going to help off of those those guys, one of the things that you can do to utilize the fact that that those guys aren't being guarded is use them as screeners mm-hmm. a fair amount because then you set screens those guys then veer off in to open space and because they're not being guarded as much they end up being put in positions where they're in four on threes or you force a switch and lebron is being guarded by a small player and there's a lot of different variations off of screen and roll actions that begin with lebron with the ball in his hands that i think are going to be super important in more high scouted situations if that makes sense it, it does which is what the playoffs are i, I think lakers are going to be difficult to switch on with that group because that matchup hunting that you were talking about, it's a little bit different from Cleveland. And I would argue that it's better in a certain respect in that both LeBron and Kyrie, their attacks are going to originate from the perimeter the majority of the time. LeBron has post-up ability, but most of the time he's going to attack you from 20 feet on out. The thing about this particular combination is you can match up hunt in two very different areas, like you can pick on one area or another. Like, are you going to have a big man who is capable of sticking with LeBron on the perimeter without LeBron breaking him down and have a small who's capable of bothering Anthony Davis? Now, Anthony Davis is a guy who he really eats up smaller type mismatches. He really knows how to leverage, and this is not true of all bigs, but he really knows how to leverage those size advantages to get shots like right at the rim. Sometimes you'll see a guy like James Harden, for example, is a a better post defender than I think a lot of people realize. But 
And so he will like push your post catch out much farther and will make it difficult on you with that low center of gravity. And he's fairly strong guy. Um, A guy like AD will not be bigger than him from a physical strength standpoint, although he is, but what he really leverages is that length and that ability to take one step and I'm at the rim. And that's something that like, that's going to be one and a half steps for Harden in order to beat him to the spot, which will be necessary to force him from getting there. Right. So I'm, you know, racking my brain going through the Western conference at the very least. I think Milwaukee's kind of an interesting matchup. Like if there was a finals matchup between the Lakers and the Bucks of like, maybe they could switch on the Lakers a little bit. Um, you've got, you know, you've got Philly with Horford and Ben Simmons. That could be an interesting, but in the West, you know, it, it would require a Gobert to be able to stick with LeBron out on the perimeter. Like every version of that Capella and Harden or, or Westbrook and Harden, however you want to look at that. Yeah, like, but you don't want those guys. The nah. problem with some of that is, is you don't want some of those guys on the back end of that switch starting possessions on LeBron. So, right. so right. you're Absolutely. not going to put Westbrook or Harden as primary right. defenders on LeBron just because you think a pick and roll is coming. That, that's exactly right. And, and that's, that goes to my point, right? Is this idea that I, I don't know if there are many teams in the West with the personnel to be able to switch effectively onto those two. Um, it, you know, we'll see if, if, if it goes into the Eastern Conference, but, but in the West, that's going to be very difficult. I think your best shot is, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, pray that LeBron's jumper is not on that night, but, you know, th- the strategy, especially come playoff time of, well, we're going to let LeBron beat us. We're going to go under these screens or we're going to switch and just have our big drop back in the paint and give LeBron that open three. Well, LeBron's going to score 50 on you, right? Like he, he may be a 33, 34% three point shooter last year anyway. Right. But if you do that in a playoff series, he is going to win the game for you as a scorer single handedly. Um, but I, I think that's probably the best of a bunch of bad options. Uh, my, my one, the one thing that I see of like, hmm, this could work against the Lakers is that helping off of the, the non shooters, your Rondos and your Bradleys, which gets me to the idea of like, okay, if, if we're building around this concept of the, the Lakers have this main go to thing that's probably better than anybody else's main go to thing in the NBA, how do they get the most out? of that with the other three guys well i think it's going to be shooting and a little bit of playmaking um a little bit of ability to run secondary pick and roll a little bit of ability to create their own shots attack closeouts right so i think you're looking at your most skilled offensive players which is likely going to include danny green potentially kyle kuzma potentially quinn cook even though he's not necessarily going to fit this mold um, as like a shot creator or a guy who can run a secondary pick and roll, maybe a Jared Dudley, maybe a KCP, just based off of the shooting stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are a bunch of different ways to skin a cat and. This is what gets us back to sort of that opening statement that you made about their sort of a, like a great team team in here. And it's up on like it's up to the coaches to find it. I don't know if you want to get into coaching at this point or 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 if you still want to talk about roster stuff and lineup construction. But I think those things sort of go hand in hand some. No, let, let's talk about the coaching thing in, in a quick moment. The one thing I do want to add is my I have a concern that 
the shooting will abandon us at the wrong time. Meaning that there's nobody amongst the shooters that we have where I'm like, that guy in high leverage situations, deep in the playoffs, if he's open, I trust that he's going to knock down the open shots that he's going to get. Like, we definitely agree that this LeBron AD two-man game is going to create open shots. They have to come from somewhere. You're not really going to be able to stop it, you know, two on two. Then, but can I trust these guys, you know, even if they shoot... 38% from three in the regular season on these shots. Like, are they good enough shooters to not have that go by the wayside? There's really no way to answer that at this point, but uh, that is a concern that I have in terms of the roster. But from that coaching perspective, what, what do you see that, you know, Vogel can do to help positively impact this? Well, I mean, he's got to play the right lineups, man. Like, and I think it remains to be seen what those lineups actually are. You and I have both, talked a bunch about this during the preseason about what we hope to see and what we wanted to see and what might work and what what won't work Kyle Kuzma didn't play the entire preseason uh Jared Dudley played what in half of the games Quinn Cook only played in one of the games Mm -hmm. um we didn't get the, like the shuffling of all of the lineups, the starting lineups, how much guys did or did not play during the second half. I don't actually think we got extended looks at some of the various groupings that we would have won, wanted to see. Um, whereas we did get extended looks at some of the stuff where I think both of us were gnashing our teeth a little bit. Mm. Right. So Mm -hmm. we got early in the preseason, we got a lot of minutes with LeBron playing next to Rondo. Um, We got a lot of minutes with sort of like KCP and Rondo on the court together, or we got minutes and stretches with Rondo playing with, with Avery Bradley. We did not get a lot of minutes where I would have wanted to see Rondo more. Right. So lineups with maybe Anthony Davis as center and then Rondo playing next to Danny Green and again, Kyle Kuzma and Jared Dudley and then Anthony Davis. Right. Like that's a lineup I would have wanted to see with Rondo to see how that worked. But Kuzma didn't play and Dudley only played in three preseason games and Davis only really played center for long stretches in two different preseason games. Right. And one of those was one where Rondo didn't even play. So it's like for as much of, hey, preseasons and an experiment, we're going to get a look at all of these these different lineups. I'm not actually sure we got enough of a taste of the things that I would have wanted to see personally, just based off of injury and availability and like DNP rest. Sure. So when it comes to Vogel, all of that with the lineup stuff is absolutely on point. You know, I I don't want to bang the Rondo drum any more than we have. Lord knows we'll have plenty of time to do that going forward. People know where we stand on that. Uh, Aside from the lineup component, Vogel's impact on this is going to be to what degree does he adhere to the idea that he's going to keep his five in the paint, his defensive center in the paint on the defensive end? Because if he's too strict with that, then the whole Dallas Mavericks 2011 type series where we just do not defend the three-point line well enough with the personnel that we have and we're giving up open shots over and over again, that's something that that is the only scenario where I could see us losing to a lesser talented team in a playoff series is if they get hot from the three-point arc. And I think that some components of how our defense is, is 
conceived play into that possibility. Uh, I, I don't think that that's necessarily likely, but that is where Vogel is going to have to make some decisions. Let, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue this conversation, not just talking about the Lakers, you know, unstoppable thing. Can other teams stop it? But the opposite. Other teams have their go-to plays and their go-to players. What can the Lakers do about that? So we'll get to that in a moment. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. That's sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on their day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. And while we're here, Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. They're sending me a custom purple shirt to my dimensions, and everything looks better when it's custom fitted. Uh, We've got really high quality stuff, and I'm excited to get my, my purple shirt coming soon. Uh, Indochino is the largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they're affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can also get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. That's one word, Blue Wire. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Blue Wire, for $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. All right, Darius, so we talked about this idea of LeBron and AD being quite arguably the best weapon in the league, right? That they can create the best shots off of that. We talked about how other players can capitalize on that. This will ultimately be to to really distill how a season ends generally. It usually ends how good is your best thing versus how good is our best thing. So when you look around the Western Conference, do you see some of the go-to players and the go-to actions of other teams do you see areas where the Lakers may struggle to keep up with that team? I mean, I worry about some of what the Clippers can bring to the table with some of the screen actions they're going to run for Paul George as a shooter come coming off staggers and floppy actions and wide pin downs and whether or not the Lakers are going to be able to fight through screens and, and sort of have the physicality on the wing um, and athleticism on the wing to, to be able to stop actions like that. I worry about whether or not they have the versatile, strong wing defender who can defend Kawhi in isolation situations and in coming off ball screens and whether or not they're going to have to switch. And if they do switch, 
Are they going to be put in situations where they're going to be able to hold up? Like I look at a team even a little bit like Denver mm-hmm. and 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 some of the um, the running the offense through their center actions and all of the off ball movement and are the Lakers going to be disciplined and being able to both cover the three point line because Denver has a lot of guys that want to shoot shoot the three who also employ real strong back cut actions within their offense. And so are they going to be disciplined in chasing to to the three-point line, but still being able to recover on back cuts? Things like that, like traditionally the Lakers have not done both of those things well. It's been either or. This is an entirely new, well, new group. So I'm interested to see how these guards play in some of these actions be because they're going to need to fight through screens and the Lakers don't have the most physical batch of guards. They do have physical big men. And I think physicality at the big man spot is, is going to be one of their strengths this year. And they can leverage that to help on screens in certain ways. I think Davis can be an, an eraser in a lot of different sit, well, both situations, either by showing out on picks higher or helping out and then recovering back to the paint. So, so that the Lakers aren't beat outright with, with some of this stuff. But those are some of the things at the top of my list. Do those things stand, stand out to you or, or are you thinking about different stuff? Yeah. So let, let's, let me address the one place where I disagreed with you. I think that the Lakers do have physical guards or they have enough of them to for it to be an arrow in their quiver. Danny Green is really good at fighting through screens, really good at, at using his length. He's a bigger two guard type um, and just watching him blow up screen after screen. You've talked a lot about his really wonderful help side defense and been right on point with that, but he blows up. He goes right through a lot of screens. And I think that's important. The other guy who does that amongst the guards are, is Avery Bradley. I think Avery Bradley is very strong and uh, really uses his length. Well, especially at the point of attack. Um, but I, I was really impressed with his ability to stay attached in lock and trail situations, his ability to kind of plow through those screens and, and get through shoulders like that. Now, your Rondos, your Caruso's, Quinn Cook, KCP, those type of guys. Yeah, I agree that that is a weakness in terms of their, their strength. But I do think that the Lakers have the guys to go to. If that's something that needs to be addressed in a, in a series, especially, they've got a guy that they can go to at every position that can resolve that. Now, with regards to the different teams, the, the Clippers concern me from that wing defense standpoint that you were talking about in that I think LeBron becomes extraordinarily important on the defensive end in that series because I think he's the one guy that has the physical toolbox to be able to handle Kawhi defensively. But are you able to, with all of his mileage, take on the massive assignment of defending Kawhi Leonard in a seven-game series and being everything to everyone on the offensive end at the same time, at that age and that mileage and all that? That's asking a lot. If anybody can do it, it's LeBron James. To me, if the Lakers were to play the Clippers in a seven-game series, 
they don't have Iguodala on the team. And heck, reports are that it's between the Lakers and the Clippers. So he, good chance he would factor into that series one way or another. But without Iguodala on the team, if he's asked to defend Kawhi and lead the Lakers to victory on the offensive end, that would be one of the great accomplishments of his very storied career. Uh, so that's an area where I have a concern. Not, not that LeBron wouldn't be capable of doing one or the other, but doing both is just asking so much. Denver concerns me as well with that. We haven't seen the Lakers play a team with a a stretch five yet. And so much of what Denver does is Jokic at the top of the key beyond the three point line. What does that look like when we're trying to have our five hang out in the paint? Like you can't do that to the same extent with a guy like Jokic, who is capable of being physical down low too, right? Uh, but again, one thing I keep, place I keep going back to that really advocates for the Lakers is I feel like they've got somebody who can address the weakness that you might have in any particular series on the team in most situations. The wing defense is the one place where I think they're they're thin and they don't have many places to go. But if you're in a series where you're going up against Jokic and he's killing you because JaVale and Dwight are just they can't get out there too much. We've always got that 80 at the five option, right? And that's something that, uh, you know, I think a lot of the best, best versions of this team are going to have him at that spot. I also think that the Lakers can, if they ended up in a series with the Nuggets, I actually think that LeBron would see some time on Jokic as well. Oh, he does a good job on him. He does a good job on Jokic. And they would keep Davis in help situations rather than the opposite. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if I were Vogel is okay. like you want your center to be above the three point line. Let's put LeBron on him and have him defend out out on the perimeter. Let's keep Davis roaming around. Right. So sort of all arms and length and ability to to cover ground to sort of disrupt back cut actions, help at the basket, help on Jokic if he starts to take LeBron down low a little bit and then LeBron is sort of shading to Davis's help. There is a variety of ways to counteract Jokic. I love this idea. This is such a good idea because you can ball pressure. You remember that game against Milwaukee at home last year where LeBron spent a lot of time on Brooke Lopez? Yes. Now, Lopez is not the ball handler that Jokic is. is not the pastor that he is, but... Jokic is also not used to like part of the reason why Jokic is so good at that is because you can't normally defend him with a smaller player because he's just going to use his physicality to just overpower them. Right. But so you've got these guys who are not used to ball pressuring, who that's not why they're in the NBA in the first place. So he's able to take advantage of that. And you see that in his ball handling and his passing. LeBron can ball pressure the crap out of him 25 feet from the basket and be like, I dare you put the ball on the deck, do it right. See if you can get by me. And if you try to muscle me down, which is what Jokic would try to do, muscle me down around the paint. You've got AD there lingering as that help side type of defender, right? With hopefully Danny Green doing something similar to cover for, you know, help the helper on AD. That's a, that's a great idea. I feel way better about a Denver series after hearing that. Yeah, just, well, just in terms of that specific matchup, right? Like the idea of of a playoff series and weaknesses and how do you cover up your own weaknesses with within a playoff series or mitigate them in ways that play to the strengths of your individual roster, right? And there are a bunch of different ways to do that. And, and one of the reasons why I am high on the Lakers in general is because 
some of the versatility they have in their roster is primed to be able to be utilized in specific ways to counteract some of the strengths of some of the other best Western Conference teams. Right. And so whether it's a team like Utah, whether it's a team like Denver, I'm very interested to see how things go in Houston. But the Lakers have an ability to sort of shapeshift based off of the versatility that they have in their two centerpiece guys, LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? Both of those guys can play up a position. They can both sort of guard up a position. Davis has an, well, has an ability to guard up or down a position, depending on how many possessions you're actually asking him to do that for. LeBron can be an excellent off-ball defender when, when he wants to be. He can be engaged at the point of attack as well against big bigger or smaller players. So there's a lot of different things that you can do with the Lakers defensively that I think is going to play well in a playoff series. And and that sort of gets back to Frank Vogel and how much of that is he going to pull out of his bag? You know, it's funny, man. I've been, I haven't been down on this roster. I mean, we've got LeBron and Anthony Davis and maybe this is my heart talking right now in that I've felt like this is a second round, if things break right, Western Conference Finals type of team. And maybe that's what they ultimately are. But after seeing them play, albeit preseason, and talking it out and then like looking through at least who else is in the West, this is probably the most optimistic I've felt about this team. Um, just some, some final thoughts here before we go, and I'd, I'd like to hear yours as well. The role players on this team are always what's concerned me, right? And that's kind of what you give up in large part when you trade so much for Anthony Davis and two pair of these superstars who are so complimentary is, do I trust the rest of these dudes, right? And the, the thing about that, I still feel that way. I have that concern, but their job this year is very simple. Like everybody else, and they have this go-to play when it comes to winning time. Like, look, we're going to talk more about Quinn Cook soon. He's a guy I was really excited about off his one game, and he's a guy I want to get into more, but we'll do that on the next show or in a show coming up. But ultimately, this is going to be a team that revolves around LeBron and AD come winning time, plays where they are the first option and second option. And that makes things very simple for Kuzma, for Danny Green, Avery Bradley, all, all of the other role players. I don't know to the degree I trust them to fill the role in, in that simple type of way, but I, I feel better about their ability to do that on defense. Um, and offense will be interesting, but you'll, you'll get a lot of the way there between LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's not out of the realm of possibility for an Avery Bradley to be like, hey, can you defend on this end and just make wide open shots on the other end? I mean, and, and maybe that is asking too much. We will see. But if there's a version of Avery Bradley, and this can apply to five other guys, I'm not just talking about Bradley, where they can be at the highest levels of the game, productive members of a final five or the different, you know, critical five-man units that you have throughout a game, if they can be, that's how it will look, where they have one responsibility on offense and one, one-and-a-half responsibilities on defense. That, that's how they can get there. Uh, what are your kind of final thoughts on just what this team can be? Well, I just think that over the course of the regular season, they have enough depth to play 10 players 
on any give, given night and expect them to play okay to good within their role, right? So you have two centers, Dwight and JaVale. You have LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's four guys. You've got Danny Green. That's five guys. You've got Kyle Kuzma. That's six. And then you can say you've got Rondo, Cook, KCP, um, Jared Dudley. Then you can go um, Caruso. And that's already 11 players. For me, I think they have enough depth to say, okay, over the course of the regular season, we can massage lineups, we can go with the hot guy, we can do a lot of different things in order to sort of say, well, we're going to scratch together our our 240 minutes of personnel groupings and go out and get enough wins. When it comes to the playoffs, what you really need in any given series is seven to eight and a half players. Right. And when I say eight and a half, it means that one of those guys may only end up getting one shift a game. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is basically what Toronto did in the finals. They basically played seven and a half players like Norman Powell was at half a player. Like he got like one shift a game. And one of the reasons why I am optimistic about the Lakers is that when you're looking for eight to eight and a half players, you can then say based off of matchups, guess what? Like Jared Dudley, you're not one of those eight this series. But against this next team, you might be one of those eight, Mm -hmm. right? KCP, you're not one of those eight this series. But against this team, you're going to be right. And I think on down the line in players sort sort of six through 11, the Lakers have enough versatility within the context of what those individual players are good at, that they can have answers for a variety of different teams that they're going to have to face in any given playoff series. The questions will come down to. I think defensive matchups and whether or not they have enough against especially a team like the Clippers. But then again, I also worry about a team like the Clippers and are they going to have enough in the front court, right? Or at the big man spots to match up against a team like the Lakers, right? Like we're not exactly sure because those types of questions go both ways. Like, are you going to say, okay, Ivica Zubats, right? Like hold up in space in a pick and roll Right. Or, okay, Montrez Harrell, like hold up at the basket against Anthony Davis and LeBron or when they're attacking the front of the rim. And are you going to have enough rebounding and on and on and on? Right. And and, and so but that's why I'm optimistic about the Lakers is there may be an entire series where Quinn Cook doesn't play. And then there may be a series where he's one of your most important eight players. And depending on whether or not those guys are up to the task, I think we'll see how it goes for this team overall and trying to win four playoff series. But starting where we started with this pod, with the foundation of Davis and LeBron, they're starting out ahead in a lot of these games and in a lot of these series. And I'll be very interested to see if the coaching can pull it together and say, you know what, like 
one of these guys or two of these guys are going to be marginalized. We're going to have to communicate that. They're going to have to be on board with it. And none of that is going to be a disruption to the flow of the team. And that's where coaching matters too. And with a new head coach, I'm just interested to see it. Like, I am quasi high on Frank Vogel. I think he's got the right demeanor. I think he's got enough X's and O's chops, especially defensively. And I think offensively, he seems to understand, oh, well, let's just give the ball to our best players and let them cook. And that's a good place to start. One of my friends says that Vogel just needs to make layups, and I think that that's a a good way. Now, he's a very optimistic Laker fan, but I think that's a good way of framing it. Uh, This was a lot of fun. Uh, Quick announcement that I'm excited about, what we're excited about. Uh, From here on out, we're going to be recording twice a week. Uh, Your support of the show has allowed us to get to the point where we're able to do that. Uh, So... We're going to try on most weeks to record on Sunday nights, which means it comes out on Monday, and then another pod midweek. We'll try to make it consistent, but it'll be somewhat dependent upon when the games are. So the next pod, this will be out on Monday. Next pod should be out on Thursday, and that should be a a regular thing going forward. So thank you so much for all of your support to get us to this place. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant. 48 points. 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?